All right. So this evening we've got a special treat for you. Um, we do have a special treat pretty much every week. Um, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, but we are obviously continuing on this theme of being conformed to the image of the sun. Um, and so over the last couple of weeks, we've looked um, at a number of different typologies. We've looked at the priesthood um, last week. Um, and in the mornings, obviously, we've been looking um, at discipleship and what it means to follow Christ. And so we're going to be continuing on a similar theme this evening. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. It's going to be our key, our key scripture. And um, so I'll just read it through for us now. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Fascinating little passage, hey? And once again, similar to these verses that we've been looking at in the mornings, it feels like they're so full of different tensions and paradoxes throughout. You know, we hear, hear Paul saying, you know, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. And so we have here this, this image of a race. And um, I remember when, um, when Kirk... Um, did uh, an example of this um, for us as a family. This was it Sunday morning, and um, he invited all of his participants up to the stage, ready for this big grand race, and said, "Go!" And the team were just standing there, like baffled, like, "Wait, what? Do you remember that?" <laughs> Because there was a race and people were supposed to be running in this race and they were prepped, they were there on stage ready to go, but there was no direction, there was no purpose, there was no intention for that race. And, and Paul's saying here, um, not only is there a race to run, and, and he compares the, the Christian life to a race, but he says, run in such a way that you may win. Interesting, eh? Now, is God asking us to compete Against one another, or is there something beyond um, these words that um, that's there for us to unpack in terms of the intensity um, and the fervency and the perspective that we're to have as the Church of God um, in terms of entering into this eternal, imperishable purpose that He's talking about? So that's going to be our theme theme for this evening. Um, we've got our four uh, our four panel members who probably don't need any introduction, um, and we're just just going to um, get straight into it, working through line by line. Cool? All right. So our first verse, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Luke, I don't know if you want to kick us off uh, with the first verse. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think over the last couple of weeks, something that's really he's really been highlighting to me is the importance of being singular in heart and like singular in purpose, singular in focus. So it's interesting that 
Paul uses this example of a physical running race where you would hope that anyone in a race would be fixed and focused on on one thing, which is the finish line. Um, And the whole point of being in that race is to to reach the finish line and also receive a prize. Um, I read a good book recently and it said that the picture of your finish line determines how you run your race. <laughs> What's the book? Bit of a, bit of a plug. It's, uh, it's called Bird's Eye View by Greg Simler. <laughs> um, but what no, I what think... did I say, Luke? <laughs> I only got that far and then I was like... <laughs> No, just kidding. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about like running in a race and um, and how they how they actually start a physical running race. And saying like on your marks, get set. And when they say get set, everyone lifts their head and locks onto the finish line and to where they're going. Um, and that's constantly throughout. Like Paul says, to set your mind on the things above. And Jesus set his mind, or set his face toward Jerusalem. Um, and to me, Jesus was the ultimate example of someone who ran their race well. His, his face was set to where he was going and, and nothing could come between him and, and what the Father's will was. Um, yeah. It's so purposeful, eh? You know? Um, you, know, set, you know, setting your minds on the things above, you know? Um, and like, like Paul saying here, it's, it's not an aimless race where you, you gather but you've got no understanding of what you're there for or what the purpose is or where you're heading, eh? You know, um, that those who are, who are caught up in this, this great race, this eternal race, know where they are and know where they're headed, eh? What about for others? The first thing that struck me about this first but actually links to what Melissa just talked about so if you were to read the beginning of this the you know those who run in the race all run but only one wins the prize outside of the understanding of God's broader purposes this could be something that puts us into threat or competition with each other as in there's a limited number of people who can win the prize here Um, as Melissa said that's you know God's purposes are for a people not for a person and actually one of the um, evidences, I guess, that you are running in the way he describes is that you put the interests of others in this race ahead of your own. Uh, so, yeah, it just struck me that it's not that there's only one who wins the prize here at an individual level, but there is one way to run in order to win that prize. And I think that's why it says, you know, run in such a way that you may win, you know, like he's talking about a particular kind of running, you know, Um, and that, you know, while he's not talking about competition with one another, he is talking about, you know, there's a particular kind of running that if you don't um, run in this this way, you won't receive prize, eh, you know. Um, I I was thinking about, you know, when I was reading through this verse, it, it reminded me of, um, of Philippians 3. And I'll just read it because I feel like it's really relevant. Um, you know, Paul, he talks about, um, um, he says, um, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or that have, I have already become perfect, 
but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything, uh, if, if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal it, that to you. Um, however, let us keep living by the same standard to what we have attained. You know? and, and Paul here, you know, he's talking about, you know, he's, he's saying essentially that you know, the goal of life is to be conformed to his image, you know, sharing in his sufferings that we may share in his resurrection. He says, not that I've already obtained this, but I press on towards this upward call, this goal, this prize that's in Christ. And he says, if any of you have a different attitude that's, that's, a, that's separate from this, um, you know, God will reveal that to you because this, what we're talking about, run in such a way that you may win, is the attitude that Paul lived from. Eh? You know, his life was so full um, of single-minded devotion and and purpose that he's saying, guys, this while you're not to be competitive with one another, it's the um, the intensity and the the steadfastness and the single-mindedness. This is the attitude that we're to have as as the body. Eh? know the difference between the gift and the prize. So this is where we get confused because there's two separate things you have to be aware of. So the gift is free, the prize is earned. Okay, so work out your salvation is where the prize is won. The gift of salvation is free to mankind. And so the gift brings you in, then it's about winning the prize. So what is there that's in Christ beyond the gift of salvation that I need to pursue and go after as an individual and as a body because there's more than just the gift and too often we just settle at the gift and don't realize there's a prize and so this is you know what Sam's reading from Philippians it's like there's a prize to be won there's a high calling you know you see the word reward Jesus is returning with his reward to give to those who have been faithful and obedient in an alignment to the will of God. So the free gift gets you in, then it's about your obedience and faithfulness, because I'm certain, in, I know in my home, that disobedience and unfaithfulness, although my father loved me, didn't get me the reward. So my father loved three brothers, but our behavior also determined access to other things. And so if our behavior wasn't in an alignment to the Simnel home, my father would discipline me for my benefit so that I could access everything that was in my home that he desired to give me, but he wouldn't give me if my behavior didn't align. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. That's why, and we've looked at this in our Skype, there's a judgment seat. So we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ for reward, for the prize we're going to be judged on everything we've said and how we've lived in an accordance to something. And we need to know what that something is. So we need to know what the race that we're running in because it's set before us. It's already set. So I love that. Ready, set, go. 
Well, we need to know where we're running. Every runner knows the race they're in, don't they? Whether it's 100 metres, 200 metres, 400 metres marathon, and every runner is training in accordance and eating in accordance to the race they're in. So a 100 metre sprinter looks very different to a marathon runner. Why? Because they know the race they're in. So they're eating in accordance to that. There's a lot of protein, there's a lot of carbs. They're built differently. So we need to know the race we're in this set before us because at the end of this race, there is a prize for those who have walked obediently and faithfully in an alignment to the will of God, which is all connected to everything we've been talking about here for a long time. Don't you think there's a measure of maturity involved in working something out about it? 100%. It's the mature that will receive the prize. So we talked about, you know, Paul obviously running in a way that he can win this prize. Obviously, it's a typology of something. Greg, do you want to, you know, from your perspective, what is that prize? So, I mean, I'll, I'll list a number of things, but everything I say is discovered in the Christ, okay? So um, the easy part is sharing what the prize is. The hard part is having the revelation of it because a head knowledge of what I'm about to say won't change you or make you run differently. It's the revelation of what I'm about to say that will get you motivated to live for him. Okay, so ultimately he, he is the prize and everything that's within him is the prize. So being his bride is the prize is the prize. So living a life right now on earth like the Christ lived because his bride will look like the sun and she will have lived like the sun and she would have acted like the sun and she would have loved like the sun. So she is his co-heir. So we're called to be co-heirs. We're called to be priests who minister like the sun ministered to the Father and to mankind. Well, for that to be a reality, you have to have lost your life. Vehicle, So lose your life to find this life, which you are not born into, but I've predestined you to know. So one of the prizes of the rewards is that you will actually be the wife of Christ. You will be this close. You will be the bondservant that Revelation 22 speaks of, that you will see his face. You will minister to him in the new heaven and the new earth, and you will have his name written on your forehead. Okay? A reward is the overcomer's reward, the prize for the overcomer. There are seven promises in the book of Revelation, and there are seven aspects for one church. So there's a promise there, a reward. You will sit with him on his throne, and you will rule. When? In a millennial reign. While other people are asleep for a thousand years, if you've earned this prize, you will reign with the Christ for a thousand years and establish his governmental rule back on earth. Knowing his love within you is a prize. So I've just spoken to, let's say, eternal promises, which are to be now. You can know them now. Abraham saw a city in the future. Hebrews 11 was moving towards. It says they didn't receive the promises, but they received them by faith. Do you know the passages? So they received the promises, it just wasn't their literal, but they saw them, received them, have the power of them living within them, so they may as well have received it in the physical context because they were living from it. So it defined the way they live on earth. 
Okay? But knowing the love of the Father is a massive prize. It's a massive reward of knowing, not just knowing he loves me, but actually having his love imparted in you and being able to love from that love. Not towards it, but from it. So having it come out of you for another human being, maybe when another human being's behavior is not nice. You have a substance in you called love that loves on someone's behavior that may have been trying to kill you. That's the example we're given, isn't it? By Christ. Love your enemy, pray for your enemy. So you have the ability to live as the Son lived because you've pressed on beyond the gift. That got you in. So his blood got you in, but his blood wants to bring to light every mystery that's in his kingdom, which is within his Son. So we have been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven now. Not when we get to heaven, now. But it's all concealed in a person called Jesus Christ. So the challenge is, will I press on? Will I run this race that's set before me? Do I even know about it? And if I don't, am I prepared to find out about it? Because I'm supposed to be running in something. And at the end of this race as a whole, then we're going to receive a prize, hopefully. But what we are as individuals, we are, what we are as a body. So the sad thing is some people will miss out. They don't need to miss out, but we don't live the life that we're called for, so we'll miss out, which is what 1 Corinthians 3 tells us, that his fire will burn through us, and he's going to judge the eternal work. And some, it says, they will enter in but through loss, because there was nothing eternal produced within you and through you. Because you maybe were completely unaware of a reality and you thought all this was about was not going to hell and praying a prayer of salvation because no one ever took the time to explain to you what's fully in his scriptures, which is massive. And Paul said, I don't shrink back from preaching the whole purpose of God. And so it's an eternal purpose. Home is not here, correct? So if we're from another home... And we're ambassadors from another place. And I asked you to describe your home. What would you say? But if I asked you to describe your physical homes, I bet you could tell me the tap that's running, the light switch that doesn't really work properly, the little part with the problem I've got with the door. But we're from another home and we're visiting this place. So there is a reward, a prize for those who will press in lean in and discover everything that's contained in the sun. But it requires a loss of life and it requires perseverance. It requires you to press in, to lean in. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not disappoint because in hope the love of God has been poured out amongst us and upon us to know the fulfillment of this kingdom. And unfortunately, the church has really just taught John the Baptist's message. Repentance of sin and iniquity. And the guy coming after him is sort of like, oh, yeah, that sort of kingdom message, but don't really worry too much about that. Well, no, that's the message we need to know because we've been called to be ambassadors of that kingdom now. Awesome. And I think, like you were saying, Greg, you know, it's, it's, it's revelation knowledge 
of of what this prize is that empowers a different way of running and a different way of living, eh? You know, and I think to me, you know, like you know, we've just we've just heard a number of eternal prophetic promises for us as the body of Christ. You know, that, that to see them through revelation, I think, would, like, like we've heard, would define the way that we run together, you know. Uh, and, and to be honest, in, in my mind, you know, it, it has a real practical application now. So even though these are eternal promises, the reality of them is to be received now. So we prepare and run as if, this is this is right in front of us, you know. And to me, it's almost like the the difference between, you know, coming in. You know, obviously we we heard about Paul and his attitude, you know. And it, to me, that it's like coming to a Sunday morning service with, and and you turn up and it's a book club, you know. And you sit and you and you read and you have a bit of a chat and a coffee. Or the next week you come and it's like the Olympic Games, you know, and and everyone is engaged and purposeful. They've been training their whole lives for this one very. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, and it's it's our attitude and our prophetic sight of what it is that God has called us into that empowers how it is that we turn up when we gather, how we approach life, um, the. the the way that we see things and operate is entirely different when you see from a heavenly and eternal perspective, eh? You know, um, just like what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. You know, when you see the, um, you know, the eternal marriage, it makes sense of these scriptures that say, if you don't hate your mother, your brother, um, you're not you're not worthy of me. You know, because all of a sudden life is now set in a much bigger context than just what you can see and touch and feel. It's all heading towards a, an ultimate and eternal. Um, Climax that results in you know us being with him for for eternity, eh? You know, um, like the Holy Spirit is doing an equipping work in us, like for the, for that race to be. There's an equipping. There's a, there's a like a training or a learning or something. Very much, very much so. I think that's that's exactly what it is that he's doing. You know, um, like 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 Paul uses the typology. Um, of of the games or, or, or running a race, you know, these uh, our gatherings are to be training and equipping environments, you know. Um, but I, I think for so long, modern day Christianity has been more more like a show or a book club, as opposed to a full participation event where people are coming. Apart from my sister Rosalie, who turns up and you know, as if she's she's just you just won your football game, man, you know. So. <laughs> But you see, it's a, sorry. I just that was that just made it really awkward, didn't it? <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? You know, you 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 come prepared and equipped for what it is that you're just about to engage in. You know, we wear different clothing. I wear I wear a suit. I wear a suit to work most days, and every day I get home as soon as I come in the door. Levi says to me, "Daddy, are you ready to wrestle?" <laughs> but my attire isn't appropriate for what it is that I'm about to engage in. So it's had to become a bit of a tradition that we go to the bedroom, we talk about our day, I get changed, and then we go and wrestle. 
because I'm not prepared and equipped for what I'm about to enter into, you know. And I think, imagine if we as a body of Christ had that attitude and that perspective that we're not here to listen to a sermon. We're not here for the cafe. We're not here to sing songs. We're actually here to be equipped, um, to be conformed into his image, to be prepared um, as, as these athletes ready to compete in, the, in, the, in games that are more important than than earthly medals, you know. Um, it'll be an entirely different um, way of being, hey. So. Yeah, can you see why you need to lose your life? Because we're not talking about a modified, we're talking about losing the life you were born with to discover a life and a purpose that he has. And it's, it's, it's you have to grasp this reality that you know, you were born to a set of parents who probably had dreams and visions for you and a purpose for you, and you probably had that for yourself, and you have to let all that go. Because there's a seeking first. When I, when I got saved, I got radically saved, so I got radically brought in from darkness to light, and I got revelation in a moment, and I got filled with a love I'd never experienced. So I woke up not loving God, not wanting to be here, not wanting to be here tonight, not wanting to be part of the church, none of that. Then I had a radical encounter with a person that literally propelled me from darkness to light in a second, and I had knowledge, living knowledge of the Christ and a love for the Christ and ended up here. And I knew why seek first the kingdom was a reality. I'd had it performed upon me through power, not because I tried to figure anything out. I was trying to run the other way. And so you're brought into a realm out of one and into another through power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave. So you're risen up from a dead state to another state. But you don't realize, I didn't think I was dead. I thought I was living. I thought I had purpose. I thought I was going this way. It's a dead life. Raised up because I was dead, didn't know I was dead, shown just how dead you are, and then catapulted into a brand new reality, and now you see for the very first time. This is a new life in Christ. It's not modify Greg a little bit. There's a little bit of an issue. This is like, this guy's dead. He needs a brand new life. And with that life comes a whole new set of everything. And that's why he says, do not think. See, the mind isn't the place to start with God. It's the spirit. It's the heart. If you try to think and understand, you'll completely miss all that we're talking about. You'll completely write off. You'll go, it's lofty. It's outside of my ability. Yeah, of course it is because it's in Christ. None of this can be achieved through human willpower, strength, understanding, learning. We're talking about something that goes beyond the earth and everything temple into a true spiritual, eternal, supernatural kingdom that we have been called to live in and from. This is radical stuff. This isn't just little mere prayer prayer. This is, I can't even give words to it. It's supernaturally supernatural, radical, didn't know it existed before the encounter. I'll never be the same again. You're never the same again. You're a completely different being called a heavenly being, I was an earthly being and now I'm a heavenly, and I've got to figure out what it means to live as a heavenly being on an earth, hopefully with a whole lot of other heavenly beings discovering what, what this kingdom is that I've been brought into. And Paul said he didn't want to disqualify himself from it. 
So right there, the man is telling us that I wanted to discipline my body in a way to make it my slave. So what he's saying is I didn't want my flesh to dominate me. I didn't want my flesh state to dominate my life. So if that happens, then I'm going to be disqualified. I'm preaching a reality. I don't want to miss it myself. He says, I press on. I have not yet achieved. This is Paul. Paul is saying, I have not yet achieved what I'm going after in Christ that I've been laid hold of for. This is the great Apostle Paul who was resurrected from Saul to Paul. This isn't just mere little, oh yeah, okay, little Chris, tick a box, make some notes. This is something beyond us, which he's leading us towards us, which only the Spirit of God can take you into and show you these things. But here's the problem, is we turn up and I turn up and we turn up and we're physically in front of you, but can you see my inner realm? No. Can you see the inner realm, the inner? You see, this is the problem. Jesus turned up and you could touch him, eat with him, smell him but did you know him and he would talk and they go what are you talking about leaven you forgot to bring bread i'm talking about these guys teaching what are you going on about why are you getting in my face now peter why are you against me see he's got to take these men who don't know who he is they don't know the spirit yet and literally he's picked them to be their these apostles these ambassadors of a kingdom that they have zero con- uh, understanding of when he turns up. They think they do, don't they? They think he's coming to rescue them from the Romans. They have a thinking. Do not think. Stop. Because it's going to lead you astray and you will not come into who you have. So all this has to die. You know, we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit because we're all proud of spirit. So there's a, something has to die. There's a loss. But here's the thing there's a gain. And we hear loss and go, no. And we don't hear gain. See, lose your life for my sake. Gain this life that is not natural. But we may not have a reference for it. So we go, what? It sounds just as bizarre tonight as it probably did 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoke of it. Because we don't have a reference for it. And the hardest thing for us to believe in is something that you don't have a reference for. So then it comes down to trust. Do you trust in what he says? Do you trust in what I'm saying? Do you trust me? But don't put your trust in me. But will you trust what I say? See, this is the challenge for us all as a church because we're to be journeying this together as one. We're all to finish the race. We're all to arrive at the judgment seat and go, you know what? I know I got my crown. Have you got yours, Deb? Paul said, I know I got my crown. And then he says this, and everyone else who loves and has run like this will have their crown. You can know you're getting your reward. How confident is that? Because you know that you know that you know you have run this race well because you know the one of the race and he's changing you. And your life is the demonstration of you running in a race. It's the most incredible promise It is unbelievable, guys. But you have to seek it with everything in your being. It will not just turn up like a wheat bix packet. You have to seek it. It has to become the thing that you breathe morning, day, night. It has to be consume you. 
it won't just turn up with five minutes on a Sunday night. It's got to become your anthem. It's got to become what you go after. It's got to become the most important. He has to become the most important person in your life. And he's waiting, going, I've got it. How much do you want it? And that's our challenge, isn't it? Because we live in a world, I know what my household looks like. I've got a wife that's studying. I've got children at school. I've got children that play sport. I've got everything that goes on here. I know what my life looks like. I know how loud it is, how busy it is, how everyone's demanding stuff. And you've got Jesus going, Greg, over here. <laughs> over here. What do you got to get up at three in the morning? Well, you've got to get up at three in the morning. You've got to do whatever it takes. Because I'm telling you, in here... In the Christ is a concealed reality for you and I as his people. And you get one shot. One shot. You got one life to figure this out. And he's looking every generation. Do you know there are people cheering you on tonight? Do you know Abraham is cheering you on? Why? Because you're part of his team. You're part of his football team. He's going, come on, man. He plays football. It's the round ball. I'm telling you guys, it's the perfect shape. But you've got Isaac, Abraham, Jacob. You've got um, Rahab cheering you on, cheering us on, going, you know, come on, until you guys come in, we can't get our reward. We're waiting. So they are cheering us on. And that's why faith is essential. But you've got to know there's a race to be run and we're all running it together. We can't be going that way, that way, that way, that way, that way. That's pulling us apart. It's one race, one way. But at the end of that, there is one reward. Where do you go from there? All I can just picture in my mind is like Abraham takes off his robe and he's got his like lycra on <laughs> underneath ready for the race, you know, <laughs> or his Liverpool strip, whatever. Is that what you wrestle in? <laughs> but just don't come over at uh, six oh five p.m. <laughs> All right, moving right along. <laughs> um, does anyone have any questions about what they just heard? I just, this is, this stuff is so, like Greg says, weighty and it's something that you can't just digest in one night and it's something I've been um, wrestling, (laughs) to continue the metaphor, um, with God about over the last few weeks since we had a um, a Skype, what do we call it, a Zoom, about um, talking about these things and the overcomers. Um, you know the prize at the end, and and because you know I, it was Rachel, I think last week that or the week before that said that she felt like she'd only got fifty percent of the story. You know when she became a, a Christian, and you know that's my story as well. And um, I feel like I've been duped a bit, and but but that's okay because God knew that this was the time that I was going to start having this stuff revealed so so that's okay so it's it, 
you know, I, and that's an encouragement to everybody that um, might be kind of in a similar position who's been a Christian for 30 something years and just kind of live that day to day life um, and not kind of really realise that there's more to it than that. And um, yeah, so I'm, I haven't got a question because it, it's all, all still a little bit of a mystery to me, but I'm really loving spending the time um, wrestling with this. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I think, I think that is, this is, it's so big, hey, you know, and I think for so long, like, like, like you said, there, there has only been half, and I think what Greg was referring to before, it's, it's the, the John the Baptist message, you know, and I know that that's what I grew up with, you know, was that it's Jesus has come to forgive you from your sins and you go to heaven when you die, and that's, and that's the message, you know. But somewhere along, somewhere along the line, it actually just doesn't line up with the eternal promises that are contained in the scriptures. It's not untrue, it's just not full, you know. And I think that he's bringing us into a, a greater fullness, hey, you know. And something the Lord said to me really clearly, quite recently actually, uh, was you don't apply an apostolic word, you receive it. And I know we've been hearing this receiving piece, but it's that piece where I think if we try and do something when we hear that, then we do have that burdened, overwhelmed feeling. Um, whereas the receiving just goes, yep, that's, that's the truth. Um, and yet did something in me and an unlocking too. What about for others, questions or comments or things that don't make sense? Um, messing up, getting failures, messing up with stuff. Just like you messed up somehow, like David messed up, you know, he was running a race possibly, but and that was, that was you know, that kind of thing, messing up. Just for the recording, you know, what about people that that mess up or something happens along the way, you know? And I think, yeah, that's that's a fantastic point, you know. I think that no one's race is over until it's over, you know. And I love what you're saying, Kirsten. You know, after after thirty years, God can redeem that time because you can receive more through a, a second of revelation than you can in 30 years of trying to learn and study and, you know, because like Joe was saying, it's, it's received, it's not learned, you know. Um, and so I think, um, you know, there, there, there's a, his mercy covers us and there's a continual opportunity um, to, um, to get back up and to keep running and we're not disqualified by our sin or our past. I think... Um, the only thing that potentially can disqualify us is our unbelief and not believing who it is that he says that we can be and that his mercy has, has done that for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, you can't use your sin as an excuse because that's what I've heard people do. I'm just a sinner. I can't. No, that's unbelief. You're a son who's been saved from their sin. So run. And so this is the challenge, and you see, this is why our, our flesh that still lives needs to be crucified, because it wants to define its own life and comfort. And so without even realizing, you can actually lie to yourself. Oh, but I'm a sinner. Oh, but, uh, oh, but you don't know? Well, he knows, and he's already forgiven it. You know, the Bible doesn't say that you have to ask forgiveness. It says confess your sin. Because he's already forgiven it. 
So when he's already forgiven it, you're just confessing it, you just get back on the horse and ride. So that was the beauty about David. David stuffed up in the eyes of man, didn't he? Just like me. But what did he do? He confessed. And so, straight away. It's not a five-year process. It's not even a five-minute process. God sees the heart, the confession of the heart, straight back in alignment like that. Now, we struggle to receive that because we struggle to receive things for free, and yet that's the truth. And so you can't even use your sin excuse because he died for your sin and the power of sin that we can live to a standard that isn't earthly. And this is what true preaching should do. It should paint a picture, a vision, that's beyond our ability to attain. This is what true preaching does. It preaches God and our inability to achieve God and God's standard. Anything less than that, and it's man. I shouldn't be able to achieve this on my own ability. If I can, it's not God. It's outside of my ability. I needed to get saved. I need someone not only to save me, but to grow me through my surrender and my submission. All I've got to do is be available and willing and be humbled. That's it. And say yes and amen. And I love what you said. Receive this thing that's bigger than me and then don't write it off, but say, Holy Spirit, show me what that was. John was shown revelation. He was shown it. Come here, I want to show you. I want to give you. And see, what we do is when we hear something that's beyond us, we can then get lowered instead of being empowered. Because we go, I can't. That's right. And you've got to grab that and go, that's right, I can't. Hallelujah. I can't. Praise the Lord. I can't. You can It takes all the onus off us to try and do and puts it all back on the one that does and now you're positioned to receive. But then you have to learn how to wait. (laughs) I want it now. Well, you've got to wait. And then what are you prepared to do to receive? Would you be prepared to go to someone's house and knock on the door at midnight? like the man who did in Luke or or Matthew? Would you be prepared to go in front of the judge who disrespects God and man and nag, 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 nag until you get what you want? That's the type of heart the Father's actually looking for. Make a noise. Be noisy in front of me. I'm looking for a heart. I will reward a heart that what? Earnestly seeks. I'm a rewarder of those who earnestly pursue. What do you think he gives you? himself he opens up himself and all of a sudden now you're seeing things and eating things and drinking things which is changing you on the inside which is not only preparing you for the future but it enables you to live now a life that others can't live you're able to love things that aren't lovely you find yourself being patient when other people aren't you find yourself staying when everyone else is walking away Not because you're smart, but because you have received a greater measure of Christ in you and the Word of God in you enables Christ-likeness. Nothing to do with us, everything to do with who is within us. That's why you can't take any glory. Because you sit there going, the only way I'm staying here, I'll tell you right now, the only way I'm here tonight is because Christ in me. Not because of Greg Simnor, Christ in Greg Simnor that has enabled Greg Simnor to stay I can't take any credit. 
I wouldn't want to. It's him in through him revealing because we pursue. It's phenomenal, but it's not a life you're born into. It's a life you have to discover in the Christ. And he says, guys, I've given you an apostolic, prophetic, teacher, pastor, evangelical gift mix. I've given you a whole lot of other gifts, gift of faith, gift of prophecy, gift of discernment, gift of tongues. I've given you serving gifts, gifts of hospitality. And as you all work together, empowered by me, I'm going to raise up a people from the earth. But you have to choose whether you really want to be those people. Because you can blow your inheritance. You can never even know about it. Someone has to die, don't they, to receive their inheritance? Did someone die 2,000 years ago? So it's not an issue of someone dying. It's an issue of actually receiving and going after and possessing what he has made accessible. That was the word this morning. I've made everything accessible, but you have to possess what's in the unseen because it's not in this natural. It's not in here. It's in an unseen realm called my spiritual kingdom, which is on the earth. I brought it with me. And this is the message of the kingdom, the church. We don't grasp. We think we do. We think the kingdom is all about having businesses that make money that feed poor people. Oh, the kingdom has come. The kingdom is so much bigger than that. The kingdom is about the king being established in the hearts and the minds of the king's people, number one. Then the king's people demonstrating the king of that kingdom through their lives. And then reigning with that king in a future dominion back on earth. And then spending their entire eternity close to this, face to face with that king in a covenant in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, I don't know what that fully looks like. But I want to go after it and I want to be there. And I want to be the overcomer that sits next to this person called Jesus Christ because he says, I've seated you in heavenly places already. I've raised you up, Ephesians 2, seated you in the heavenly places. So you see and hear from heaven while you're on earth. And you're living in the finished work of the cross. The finished work. So it's already mapped out. I don't make it up. I have to see what's already finished through this thing called faith, which is not wishful thinking, and it's not something I need to trust in God to get me out of a jam. Faith is knowing what is in an unseen, finished realm and then living from it and speaking it out so other people can live from a finished reality. This is what you see all through Jesus' words. Peter, did you not know it was written? It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. It is already written before it began. And because he didn't know it was already written, he's living outside of what's written. He's disqualifying himself, isn't he? Thank God that God was loving him and going to get him to where he needed to get to. But at that moment in time, Peter is living outside of what's written by trying to stop Jesus going to his death. Isn't that anti-Christ? Doesn't Peter need Jesus to go to his death so he can become the Peter that's been predestined to be? So when you flow against Christ thinking you're not, you're actually messing up your own life. And we can do it and not know we do it. Do not think. This is really, really deep, but it's very simple. 
body of Christ, like we excel in different areas. Correct. I'll just read this. This is just after First Corinthians 9, um, straight after the passage that we've been looking at. It says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all ate the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with the most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they craved. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it was written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and stood up to play. And and interesting, you know, it's, it's, uh, even the way it starts. For I don't want you to be unaware brethren, you know, and he talks about the Israelites and how they all, you know, God had brought them all out of Egypt. They all ate the living manna. They all, none of their shoes wore out for the entire however many years it was that they were wandering in the wilderness. You know, they ate, all ate the same food, drank the same drink. And yet it, yet it says in Hebrews that, that for these people, they failed to enter into the promised lands not because of their sin or not because if they weren't capable enough, but because of unbelief, you know? And, and so this is the typology here in, in, first, um, in, in first Corinthians that really is what, what Greg is describing, you know, is that there's, there's some things that are given for free, you know? God took them out of Egypt, but actually then they were fed with, with mana and you know, given everything to, to mature, like Warren was saying, to progress and enter into this this eternal covenant and to run well and to claim this prize, but we're, we're unable to do so because of unbelief, you know? Um, and so that's, he says, these people are, are here and they're written about for our instruction, you know, to see that there's a coming out from, but there's also an entering into, you know? Things like sickness and that that can be... Um We'll just, um, we'll just go to Joe, and then we'll see if there's any more questions. I was just going to say one thing that's a, a mystery to me around belief and unbelief uh, is there was a transaction that happened between me and the Lord last year, and after that transaction, I could believe him in a way that I couldn't mm-hmm. and take him at his word in a way I couldn't before, and interestingly, after that, there was a whole unravelling that has and is happening on the foundation of something that he did, which meant I could take him at his word. And the thing that's mysterious to me is, so he says, don't be in unbelief, but I, <laughs> he had to take me out of it. So again, I guess it's that same thing. If I couldn't, it's not to apply, it's to receive. Yeah. Mental, receive is the truth. Mental agreement is not belief, the way the Bible describes belief. Okay, So... It's a living conviction in your heart that you know something is true, that you now live that way. So, you know, the demons know Jesus is real. Does that mean they follow and worship him? No. You can believe hell is real and, do, and not be afraid of hell, correct? You know, that's why when you share with non-Christians, oh, yeah, I believe hell, so what? I believe in God, so what? 
I believe Jesus died and rose from the grave as a young boy. So what? Didn't do anything. It was only when, what Joe's saying, the belief I was pierced through the word entering into my spirit, through power, that I actually believed. Because now my life is a reflection of that belief. I drop that and start... I, so 1 Thessalonians 1 talks about receiving the gospel in four elements. Can you tell me what those four elements are? Word, power, full conviction, Holy Spirit. That's how we're to receive the word of God. Word, power, Holy Spirit, full conviction. It said the Thessalonians stopped serving their gods and started serving the living God. It's not just a mental agreement. That's what we've built the institution on, mentally agreeing with words, but that doesn't cut it. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it doesn't cut it in trying to live out what you say you believe. That's why you can find hypocrisy in the church. Say one thing, live another. Say you love God, live for yourself. They're opposite, eh? Jesus, what he said, he lived. And so you can see why it's so powerful. So in this whole thing around not loving another more than, it's a standard beyond our humanity. The most natural thing to do is to love a child greater than your own life, is it not? If you had a child. But that's still an earthly standard. Because the heavenly standard is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength. So you can actually love that child like the Father loves that child, which is free of expectation and performance. And so until you love him like that, you can't love another the way you're commanded to love. Well, that's an issue when you're going to stand in front of God and he's going to say, did you love like me? Because I commanded you to love like me because it was fully possible because I made the way and I made it accessible, but you never possessed what was for you because maybe you just had a mental understanding of something you said was true because that's what you were brought up with. But how much is your life changing because we're to be changing, are we not? Glory to glory, strength to strength. We're to be priests, guys. We're to be ambassadors. We're supposed to be reigning on this earth today, now, overcoming, not victims, but victorious, because we've moved through a process that we've entered into. And it's okay if we're not in that, but maybe today is the day we need to actually acknowledge something before him. And so I need to turn. Because we're not called to survive life, waiting to get taken out of here. We're called to be ambassadors, thriving from the spiritual power and living an overcoming life that people of earth see and go, how on earth does that happen? I'm seeing a love. I see a oneness. I see a togetherness. Where's this? Where is this stuff? I can't find this anywhere. I've been looking my entire life. And it's his body It's his bride, it's his priest, it's his sons, it's his family. We're to be a family that lost and broken people are coming to. Because we're whole. Now there's a process, isn't there? I've been walking with him for 22 years. That's a long time to get healed and whole and to come to abiding and then start to live as Christ. A first fruits. 
because I understood there was a race to run into. Listen to this. I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the ear. I discipline my body and make it my slave. A slave to righteousness, a slave to sin. Which one? A slave to flesh, a slave to the spirit. Which one? See, boxes, when you box and you miss, you use more energy missing than hitting. And so you've got to hit the target. You want to hit the other guy's chin. But you want to hit. They don't just box for the sake of like. They're trying to knock their opponent out. And so we are to run in a way that's intentional, purposeful, focused, directed. I love what Luke said, singular eye. That's Matthew 6. It says, how great is the darkness in you, the light that's in you. How dark is it if you have two eyes? If you've got two eyes that are divided, earthly, kingdomly, how great is that darkness going to be in you? Because it's a double vision. It's a double-mindedness. You've got to be purely single-minded, single-focused on Him. Set your mind on Him. Set your heart on Him. Set your thoughts on Him. Set and fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter of life. And then you'll be laughed at. And you've got to be prepared to be hated by your own household. You've got to be prepared to be hated by the people sitting beside you. You're radical. Oh, get over the top. You're a bit spiritual. You're too full on, Sam. That's right, I am full on. Because I've seen. People won't understand. They won't get it. That's right. The violent take the kingdom by force. And yet we're to run as one. Misunderstood, mistreated, persecuted, laughed at. Isn't that what happened to him? He says those that live godly will suffer because you're living to a standard. You're not trying to annoy people. You're not trying to piss people off. You're just trying to honor him. But in doing that, guess what happens? The flesh rises up. Why are we choosing this over this? I want this. I want that. Why are you going here? Why are you doing this? Why are you prioritizing that now? Because I've seen someone greater who's calling me up. He's calling me out of earth. He's calling me out of Egypt and Egypt out of me. And I've seen it. And I can't stop. I've got to move towards why I was given life. I'm sorry. Do you want to come? Yes, then let's go together. No, okay, I'm going, I'm coming back. Do you want to come? No, okay, I'm going, do you want to come? No. And you continue to do that, hoping that everyone is coming up the mountain. The view's amazing. And it's for all of us. But you've got a box in such a way that's going to require change. I'll tell you right now, there's things that need to change in your life if you're going to enter into this life. It won't just come because you're a product of your life. So what you've received tonight is because of the way you're living. So if you change the way you're living, he says, I'll guarantee your life. So it doesn't just happen. It requires change. But I'll tell you, with that change comes eternal life, and you won't recognize yourself. And then you'll be a madman. And the change is posturing and positioning yourself to receive what it is that you're sharing about, right? You know, like that's that's the dynamic that's at play here. And 
I was going to, um, <clears throat> you've got to be quick to jump in, eh? I was, I was like, there's a couple of things I wanted to say. Um, just what, what you were saying before, Greg, about, um, you know, you, you'll be persecuted and people will think that you're, you're strangers. I was reading earlier in the week about Jesus when he raised the, the girl back to life. And, and he went there and he said to the people that were mourning for her, Don't, she's, she's, not, um, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And so they ridiculed him. And yet he didn't waver in, in doubt on, oh, oh, actually, have I heard from the Father? These people are ridiculing me. He, he was steadfast in, in what he's heard, and he knew that this girl was going to come back to life. And he was the greatest example of someone who was set on his race. You know? Yeah, there's so many examples eh, th- throughout the Scripture of people that were living from this heavenly sight that their lives look so dramatically different to those around them you know we have to be thankful that we're not in some of their old um, old testament times like ezekiel has to be naked for 40 was it 40 days or uh, 300 days was it 300 days and then god ends up killing or not killing taking his taking his wife as an example of you know the the dynamics of the relationship that were at play between um, you know God and the people of Israel. So there's some pretty radical things that are going on for these people, these men of faith who see the eternal prize and are, and are running towards it. Eh? You know, so I'm not encouraging people to be naked for over 300 days, but I but I am but I am saying, you know, that life that life looks different. When, when you start to see from, from this heavenly posture, eh? You know? um, can, can you understand why, like from this morning, he's saying what he's saying in Luke and Matthew around if you love another more than you're not worthy, you're not worthy of what I'm calling you to. He's not trying to be horrible. He's saying those other people get in the way. Possessions get in the way because if you, if you love other things, then you give those things time, don't you? And that's where you're found. You know, it says where your treasure is, there you'll find the heart. And so it's like, so this is, requires time. This requires pursuit. This requires fellowship. This is, requires a lot of time because there's a lot in him. And so if you love these other things more than, you're not going to be spiritually fit. And that's what Sam said. The word worthy means prepared, spiritually fit. What for? For what I want to give you. I want to give you 10 cities. I want you to reign over 10 cities. I want you to be my ambassador in another realm, but it's tied into my kingdom. Are you spiritually fit? This is like an apprenticeship right now. So just like in a race, just like in a sports team, there's practice. There's actually practicing and getting mature. The problem is that we've heard a lost found message, not a lost matured message. So maturity, which the Bible speaks a lot of, and a lot of Paul's letters, you don't see it so much in the Gospels. So if you really want to enter into some of the stuff, start looking at Paul's letters. We tend to like the Gospels because it's about raising the dead, it's about casting out demons, it's all about those cool, which is awesome. But that's just part of, it's not all. And Paul spoke a lot about this eternal.
eternal reality that's in the future that you know you're going to judge the angels Debbie did you know that pardon yeah the saints apparently are going to judge the angels in the world move over Jacinta we're coming in in another dimension this is why we're not fighting for one now this is why we're not to be focused on politics and all that now because there's another governmental rainership coming in in another time and place and we're to be a people who are raising up a kingdom which is completely different to the kingdom of the world so they look at us and go maybe we should be coming to you to talk about certain things you don't come to us we're coming to you because you seem to have a wisdom and a demonstration of life that we don't have But if we're like them and no different to them, then they don't see anything. And so it's a it's a it's a it's part one of a part two picture. And this is our discipleship, this is our apprenticeship to learn who we're really called to be for another time. But there will be people, it's very clear, scripture is very clear that we'll be sleeping. And others will rise at the first resurrection and partake of the thousand year reign because we didn't learn when we were here. We lived for ourselves. We were covered by his blood. Cool. But we never realized the purposes of God. We never realized his plan and his purpose. We actually created our own. And this screams it. And so it's about, hold on, mate. It's about knowing both sides of Jesus Christ. We've only really preached the Lamb. He loves you, he bars, he died for you. But the lion, the lion side of Jesus that turns up and says, I ain't come to bring peace, man, I'm come to move out the way. That's more what God's been wanting to reveal more here in 10 years. We know the lamb really well, but the lion side of Jesus the fighting side of Jesus, the warrior side. This is the worship. What about the warrior side? David was a warrior. What does that look like spiritually, not physically? What does it look like to be a warrior in the spirit? To be a soldier that doesn't bother with human affairs but is only interested in serving the one who gave him life, Timothy. What does that look like, guys? So the whole counsel of God must be ours, not just Hearts or bits, and then I continue living for me. It's no, no, I've lost me, and all I'm interested in is living for Him. Loving Him, loving people, and doing the will of God. Sold out. That's it. And that's now in the future. Do you reckon the other, so there's the, the lost found piece, but it feels to me like there's this other piece too, which is the I get this, but I haven't, I'm still entangled in myself. I'm still trying to outwork this purpose in me. So I see this, but I'm, I'm still working on my own strength. Is the other way we get tangled, and that is the one that I think leads to more discouragement and frustration. Um, and where, again, he has to just come and go, get out the way. <laughs> Is the more the Galatians story of, you know, you know you got saved by the Spirit, but now you seem to be thinking that you've got a bigger part in, in working out your salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's striving. But, I mean, it, is a, it has to be a work of the Spirit to untangle that because we can't see it for ourselves. 
And I think, like you said, it, it can be such a trap, particularly if you're hearing about this this high calling, who we are to become, right? And I think to me this is, you know, when, when Jesus had conversations with a lot of the Jews or the Pharisees and talking about something that was bigger than what they knew, you know, um, you know it talks about the, the cornerstone and, and, and stumbling over this, this rock of offense. And to me the context is, is set and is trying to live this out in your own capacity without the, this um, humility and, and the, the, um, being empowered by the Spirit to be able to do it. Eh? And it has to be 100% him. You know, it can't be, yes, there's, there's him and I'm living by the Spirit. And then I'm kind of still striving on the side of that. Like, that's, <laughs> this is the whole being joined to him, whole new life piece. It's a mystery. You know, and that's what makes it so mysterious, the fact that it's a mystery and it's an internal realm we're talking about because here's the challenge, and this is why you can not even want to look at this stuff, is that you can enter into functional works with God with a gifting and anointing and see things happen and still be the king of your own life. And he'll let you. Okay, So you can walk on water, and be the king of your own life. You can cast out demons and still be the king of your own life. But what you can't do as king of your own life is love like the Father, and you can't deny you. You will always trump, sorry, yourself will always, you'll put self ahead of him. Even though you serve him and do certain things works, when it comes to the crunch, we're talking about an inner rerouting. We're talking about an inner change. We're talking about seeing things on the inside that no one else can see, but he knows you're seeing things because he's revealing them because you've relinquished the innermost being part. And this is the challenge because in a church that can see things happen and we're called to go change the world and see demons and all this stuff and pray for healing, it's all good stuff. That does not mean that you are changing on the inside because you are still the source of your own life which means you're the strength of your own life is what Joe's talking about so then you're striving trying to bring a life into you that you'll never be able to do even though you can lay hands on sick with a gifting because the gifts are irrevocable and so you can move in power but you lose glory and so when you stand in front of God like we clearly see in scripture I don't know you But Lord, Lord, we did all these functional works and we saw them happen and we used your name. I know, but you're in a realm, this inner realm reality of truly not knowing about me, knowing me because you pursue me and I do a deep, deep work. I can't even put words into how deep it is, but you know it when it's happened. But it's really scary because he takes you beyond you. I want to read you this because this I'm starting to write on this now. This is just 1 Corinthians 6. It's 1 verse 14. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. And we can take that and go, oh yeah, I believe that. You know, that believe thing. Or you can go, hold on a minute. Now God, this is this is what I do. Now God has not only raised the Lord, stop. So Jesus died. He was dead, correct? Jesus died. 
So how did dead people become living? Something called the power of God had to come into his body and raise him from being dead. I was dead. From zero to 29 years old, dead. Dead in my sin. So if God needs, Jesus needs to be raised up by God's power, and it says, raise the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. He's going to raise us up through what? My strength? No, his power. That's not just something that stays in a textbook or in words. It's something that happens to you. You are raised up. You know it. You're like hit with this thing and it's like, what? It's not just something you believe and go. It's something you experience. You get born again of power because you were dead in something called sin. Sin had hold of you and it was killing you. And something comes along called power and takes this and off that and frees me from me to be actually somewhere else and live now because I got raised up in power. So it's power. It's all power. Paul said, I pray that your faith, which is what you need to live this life, would not be resting on man's ability to understand words, but on the power of God. The power to open up a spiritual realm. The power to open up the eyes of the spirit. The power to open up the ears of the spirit to hear a spiritual word and see spiritual imagery and see spiritual food and then partake of those things. It's all power. It's all a work of divine power through divine surrender. It's where rest is. Enter into rest. Stop striving. It's not stop striving and I'll get rest. It's seek me, come to me, I'm going to give you any rest, and then I'm going to give you rest for your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul, and then I'm going to learn, you're going to learn from me, and I'm going to show you all these things, and then you're just going to be able to live them out. But it's all contained in an inside realm that no one else knows about and can see, but it'll manifest out of you. It's truly the kingdom of God in you coming out of you, but it's in an unseen realm from an unseen one. But you can experience it in you and coming through you, but you can't copy it. You can't go, give me the how-to for that. What's your methodology? Well, it's called surrender. I don't like your methodology. Give me another methodology. Okay, well, it's called submission. Man, you're not getting this. You're not hearing me. What's the four-step plan to this life? It's called death to self. It's called loss. Ah, flag that, man. Let's go somewhere else. And you avoid and you go round the mountain until you're prepared to lose, as it says. See, but it's all a divine work of grace. And life begins. Um, the, The prayer life is important. The prayer life. Like everything is lived out in prayer before us, lived out in any other. Prayer is important, but prayer is not, um, you know, this can happen. I wasn't, things can happen because you're, you, you're creating a heart of love for Him. So you don't even, stuff I don't even pray about happens because He knows your heart, and yet I pray. Faith is essential, okay, because faith is a commodity that actually enables you to see what's right there. So it's like, oh, the apple, I'll have that, thanks, and I eat that. 
People are like, what are you eating? An apple. Where did you get it from? The table. No, you didn't. There was nothing on the table. See, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's spiritual food. Do not work for food that perishes, but for eternal food. So what are you eating? What are you drinking? Well, here today, lady, here's a well. Do you want some living water? But see, you're unaware of it because you don't know the one of the living water because it's in an invisible realm. And you're going, what bucket are you talking about? I don't even need a bucket. Why are you asking me for a bucket? Because you asked for water. Yeah, but no, I am no water. See the difference between the natural and the... It's, it's in a hidden, unseen reality. And so, yeah, prayer's important. Faith's important. Surrender's the most important. Because that opens up the door. Asking and asking... Ask, um, asking for... Um So my hope is that as passionate as I and we are, everyone else's, and are asking... So the Bible says you've got to ask with the right motive, yeah? Because if you ask with personal gain, don't forget it. So the asking is in alignment to the will of God. But then you're asking with, a, with faith. Okay? It's not just, oh, yeah, I can, uh, wish everyone would get this revelation. Or, cool, sweet. So it's asking in a, in a type of ask, a kind of ask, motivated by faith and motivated by love that everyone else would actually receive what you want them to receive because you see things. But the challenge is, and this is the reality, is we also get to shape the gatherings that we have because if unbelief walks into the room, then unbelief can shape what's the spiritual climate in the atmosphere. Because if the word is spoken, it's like, no, then boom. So you can quench the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can go because there's no faith in the room. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. So he goes, oh, there's no one here drawing notes to me because it's all full of unbelief. See you later. So there's a partnership and an outworking that's required. It's not just God does everything, even though we've talked about divine grace. It's a partnership where we have to play our part as well. And that's why it's so important that faith is present, the ability to see and hear and trust, and that we come expectant, we come eagerness. It's not just, and then expecting someone else to cheer you up. It's coming, what does it say? Come into my court with praise and thanksgiving, because during the week you've been spending time with me. It's not just a Sunday fix, it's a lifestyle. And so what did it look like for 300 people to gather full of faith, ready to go, ready to rock, rather than, hey, Sam, how's it going, man? We hang out for like about half an hour, as opposed to coming and going, no, man, I'm here early, switched on, ready, not for me, but for others. 
just as we're hearing those uh, the comments that were coming out, and because now you said it about you know oh, I almost feel a bit duped, you know, hearing this. Well, you know, isn't it great that we actually get to hear it so that we can be unduped, you know, and uh, and actually coming into an understanding that's received right in here so that it becomes something that I know rather than that, that I now have uh, an underpinning knowledge about and this, this life, this eternal enduring life. So we hear the scripture that I'll be, you know, that he raised Jesus Christ and I'll be raised up. Well, in the duped life, that is, I'll be raised up when I die, we'll raised up and go to heaven. Well, what about this eternal enduring life that is now? And that that is a word for me that I can be raised up. Or well, what do we raise up? A dead body. Well, that means I've got to die. So there's this process that comes first. I must lose my life. And to gain my life, to actually receive the full gospel, the fullness of what is being spoken and declared to us, which we heard this morning, that even if I don't have this, this del- uh, delight, that I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, I don't fully get all this, but there's discipline that puts me... Unplugged. (laughs) That puts me in the posture and in the place where the Holy Spirit is doing this work because he's raised us up to be a kind of the first fruits. And he just showed me this this morning. I've gone a bit doolally over lockdown and become a twitcher for anyone who doesn't know what that is that's a bird watcher and <laughs> and I'll watch and I'll watch I'll watch all these um, I'm looking to see if there's any, any native birds that comes out amongst the 40 million sparrows that are in the backyard you know but there, there's chaffinches there's green finches there's gold finches and there's, there's all these birds and I thought wow I've never seen these before no Paul because you've never stopped long enough to look or it's been dark and you just shoot off to work and it's dark when you get back. And I looked and I saw, oh, these are, these are all kinds of birds. Yeah, but we're to be a kind of the first fruit. It's a work of the spirit that, that builds me up. Oh, well, a, a chaffinch is a kind of bird, like a sparrow is a kind of bird. But a sparrow is not a kind of chaffinch. We're to be the same kind as Christ. And this is, this is amazing, this work, this, this promise, this eternal work that's on offer for, for us. You know, this, uh, when you were speaking before, I thought, man, this, you, know, you must um, hate your, your father, your mother, your brother or sister in order to receive. And he just spoke straight to me about, um, about Isaac and uh, Rebecca. And the, and the typology... As a servant, the Holy Spirit goes to choose the bride. And says, here's what's on offer. Oh, yeah, nah, kind of. Can mother and brother come too? No, that's not the offer. You come. And gifts are given. But she has to choose and take a step of faith and and move into the promise that's given for her. What if she didn't? Man, she she gets married into the royal line, if you like. She didn't miss something that's eternal for her. I'm just so hearing an eternal word that is on offer for us. And if we at least take the time to be disciplined, to say, Lord, speak. Let me stop. Let me slow down. Man, there's been huge 
food on offer, a banquet tonight, to actually go back and listen and say, Lord, help me hear what you're saying, that you're changing me inside, that I might be of this royal lineage, that I will become the same kind of first fruit, that I can walk as you walk now, that when you spoke and you said, you know, hey, come up the mountain, it's, this is amazing, you know, come back, you're coming. You know, I've heard that. I've heard that from so many preachers. The one who can live it is the one who is actually demonstrating what they're talking about, and that will be the difference. You'll know them by the fruit. And you walk closely with each other in discipleship, and you'll know this, that what's on offer to actually I know this word is true. I've walked with this man and this man and this man and this woman. You know, and I've seen the eternal work transformation within them. What is this? I want to walk up the mountain that I can see too. Cool. And I think that comes back to, to what um, you know, you're sharing at the start, Melissa, about the seeking. You know? And with everything that's been heard and everything that's you know, come out tonight. To me, the big question is what What are we going to do with what we've what we've heard? You know, and so there's su- there's such an opportunity for for all of us to to take what it is that's been spoken and for that word to actually have its its perfect work within us. Eh? Do we have any any last minute burning questions before we finish for the night? Um, the or we'll just give someone else. We'll just give someone else. I'm just wanting to talk about the whole sickness thing that can that can be a lot. Can be a lot of that going on, and, and that can be almost like a distraction. There's a lot of sickness, and um, that's going on. And when we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about. We'll just give someone else opportunity, and then we can have a. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm, I'm strong. I'm strong. The sickness is strong. Does anyone else have a have a question that they've been sitting on for the evening? Oh, yeah. Um, it's not exactly a question, but it was just an analogy that um, kind of came up when the sort of conversation about inheritance came up, and um, I draft wills, and one of the things is um, I had a recent conversation with a client, and in essence, he wanted to write out his children out of his will, and I asked him, what was your reason? And he said, I don't know them. Um, and I said to him, well, my advice is that the common law is that you at least provide 10 to 15% of your estate to your children if it's challenged. And what I heard Father saying is that that is in essence what you have access to if I don't know you, only 10% to 15%, but I want to give you all. That's awesome. <laughs> Is the other 85% on offer? <laughs> oh, that's a fantastic typology. Yeah. Cool. In, anyone else? Cool. All right, I think we'll, we'll leave it there. There's been plenty to, uh, to take away and to chew on. Um, so, Luke, do you want to pray for us? And then we'll, we'll finish up. Father, we thank you for what's been declared tonight, Lord, and I pray that, as Joe said, we would receive that apostolic word that that has the power to build us up, Lord, and to bring us into this life that is on offer for us, the inheritance that's been given to us freely. 
So we just thank you for this time just to, to know you more and to be a part of this race that you've entered us into by your blood, Father. I pray that we would set our mind on the things above and run our race as well. In Jesus' name, amen.